the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to the Friday, January 26th edition of The Ride Home. It's a very spring-like day, is it not? It is. Lovely. It is. I mean, it's still gray, mm-hmm. it's which okay. is tough to take. But you know what? It's warm. 60 degrees. I'm going out for dinner tonight. Are you? Uh-huh. Are you? I am. Someplace... Some place that I'll talk about later. All right. Very nice. Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, good. Because why? It's a Friday and... Is it too early for me to tell you? Tell me. <laughs> Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Truly. It's just a few minutes past the 4 o'clock hour. Truly, at least in this corner of the world, all is right and well. Listen, um, yesterday, the fog. Going home yesterday? Yes. Of course, I'm driving along the rivers. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. And your favorite photographer took advantage of the fog-like Dave conditions. Ticello. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you were in the wrong here. Yesterday I said how fog, especially a foggy day in the winter in Pittsburgh, is not dreary, beautiful. It's Dreary, I said. That's an understatement. When I went home, I crossed over the Allegheny River. Lovely. So lovely. On my, it, all I could think, I couldn't even see Mr. Rogers. I'm not sure why you think that's lovely. I don't know why you can't see the beauty in that. It's, Seriously. All I can think of is like the Denora thing with the pollution. <laughs> Please. You know what I mean? It and wasn't the same like thing the that happened were, in London. No, this is that's just what I think fog. Of. I'm telling you, that's what I think And of. the unusual thing is because the river waters were so cold and the warm air came in, they it, the fog sat there for a long, yeah, long time. Yeah, I mean, time, sure. Till the evening last right, night. Right, right. That's and I saw it when I was driving home. It's lovely. Really I didn't lovely. really think it was. Okay. I thought, I hope we're all okay. I hope, what's the air quality today mm, is I what I was asking. We'll agree to disagree in the beauty because it is subjective, isn't it? Whatever. Yes, it is. Coming up on today's program, in the 5 o'clock mm-hmm. hour of the show, find God's will with your feet. <laughs> Is that for dancers? No, it's not for dancers, but it actually makes a really good point. Anyway, we'll talk about that at 5 o'clock with our good friend Drew Dick. Uh, also, the best cheeses of 2023 have been voted on. Yummy. Uh, we'll uh, look at the uh, piece that was done in Culture Magazine about that. Also, our week in review. What was everyone talking about this week? Conversations that made us think, what we're reading, eating, watching, uh, stuff we could change if we could, that sort of thing. And in the 4 o'clock hour, uh, we'll hit some local news. Uh, Pittsburgh ranked uh, in the best places to live in the Northeast nice. uh, list. Uh, we'll talk about that. Also, a couple of Pittsburgh chefs made uh, as James Beard finalists and much more to come, plus this or that. Very nice. The weekly features are straight ahead. It is a loaded Friday show. We're just on the cusp of it, John. Mm-hmm. So let's get underway right now with the news stories of the day. Kath, please give us the top four at four. 
for Friday, January 26, 2024. Number one, the International Court of Justice declined to order Israel to cease military operations in Gaza while it weighs South Africa's claim that the country is committing genocide against Palestinians. In a series of near-unanimous votes, the World Court today ordered Israel to ensure that its military not violate the Geneva Convention, but the court stopped short of ordering the fundamental objective South Africa sought, which was an end to Israel's military response to the the Hamas attacks. The court also called for the immediate and unconditional release of the hostages that Hamas took. The ICJ's American president, Joan Donahue, read parts of the 27-page order from the bench at The Hague, carefully laying out each side's arguments and then said, quote, the court is acutely aware of the extent of the human tragedy unfolding in the region and is deeply concerned about the continuing loss of life and human suffering. Read more about that at today's Wall Street Journal. Number two. Former President Donald Trump walked out of a New York courtroom as an attorney for the writer E. Jean Carroll delivered her closing argument in Carroll's defamation suit. I feel like there had to have been a better way to approach that. Drama. It's all drama. Roberta Kaplan, Carol's attorney, was about 10 minutes into her remarks when Trump, who was seated at the defense table, got up and left. Uh, Soon after, Kaplan asked the jury to award Carol 200, no, not 240, $24 million in damages. Um, Before Trump left, Kaplan repeatedly told the jury he had sexually assaulted Carol, prompting the former president to shake his head. She then moved on to Trump's repeated defamatory statements and said that, quote, typically when people are held liable for false and defamatory lies, they stop. Read more about that at cbsnews.com. Number three, it's been one year, John, since formerly conjoined twins Amy Lynn and Jamie Lynn Finley had their separation surgery. The sisters are now living a typical toddler life, walking, talking, playing, just like other one-year-olds. There is a really interesting uh, interview with them in today's cbsnews.com. The Finley twins were born October 2022. Their bodies fused at the chest, and they shared a liver. More than 50, 50 medical professionals at Cook Children's Medical Center in Fort Worth, Texas, worked for 11 hours to separate the babies. It took 50 medical professionals to do that. Isn't that incredible? It's a miracle. Anyway, both girls are home now and healthy despite some early challenges for Amy Lynn based on the location of her heart. But it's working great now, and the twins have been walking and talking. Forgive me, I said it was CBS News. It's ABC News. Thank you. But you should read it because it's a great story with pictures. And number four, weird animal story for you, John. Oh, tell me. The majority of terrestrial hermit crab species worldwide have made a change. You know what they're using as shells now? Soda cans. Trash. Mm-hmm. And that's your top four at four. No surprise. That's really depressing. Mm-hmm. So the ocean's clogged with trash now? Yeah. Uh, 85%. Of the hermit crab surveyed, <laughs> we're using plastic caps, and the remainder we're using metal and glass. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's a downer. Yeah, that's all across the globe, John. It's not just you know mm-hmm. here in America. Sure, I want you to know right, right. that plastic is the most pervasive element of marine waste, uh, and that's the message that I got from today's Washington Post. All righty. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. Just telling you the real story. And come back. Would now be a good time to travel to Israel? Our first guest on the Friday show will talk about that. Tim Yulhoff joins us straight ahead. It's the ride home. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. The radio is 101.5 Word FM, W O R D. 
John, you and I have done a lot of traveling. We've been privileged to do that. One place neither of us have been is Israel. Right. And we have thought, I mean, over the years, we've had several opportunities, you know, hey, start start saving and we'll go in two years or we'll go in four years or whatever. One seemed pretty serious and then COVID hit and then it kind of took things away. But wouldn't you love to go? Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, the, the chance of a lifetime uh, to go. Except now. Maybe not, not a, now. Maybe not a good time. Not in the foreseeable future, I would think. Well, our guest right now, Tim Yulhoff, he's ready to board the plane amidst all the chaos and heartbreak. Tim Yulhoff has been a regular guest of ours over the show, professor of communications at Biola, uh, Biola University, author of several books, which we'll talk about. Tim, welcome back to the show. Well, guys, thank you. I was as shocked as anyone that I'm going to be on a plane this coming Thursday to go to Tel Aviv wow. with a group of scholars to uh, study the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Okay, how did this come about? So after the terrorist attacks of October 7th, Hamas killed uh, 1,200 Israelis, took hostages. Uh, three groups came together, uh, all three non-Christian groups. One's called Braver Angels. One is called Bridging the Gap. And then Jonathan Haidt's group, uh, Constructive Dialogue Institute, saying, let's get together, pull people together, representing all different faiths. So we have Hindus. Muslims. Uh, I, I'm supposed to represent evangelical Christianity. Wow. <laughs> I that's, a tall, that's a tall around? order, my friend. Yeah. I said, you ask around? I think there's better options oh, no. out there. You're the guy. And, uh, <laughs> but, but see, this is the power of networking, right? Yep. This all happened because of our president uh, of Bio University, who really does a great job reaching out to people outside the Christian community that care about uh, bridge building, care about peacemaking, uh, neighbor love. And so I've actually worked with Simon Greer of uh, Bridging the Gap. And so he called me and said, listen, I really need you. Uh, so on this team, uh, 15 of us, we've been meeting for seven weeks via Zoom. We all got together in Baltimore uh, just last weekend uh, to get to know each other, to do team building exercises. And guys, here's what's really struck me. One, I am the most conservative person in the room by a, by a mile, uh, politically, religiously, social issues. But the power of humor and the power of a shared cause mm. bring people together um, is really powerful. Um, so just, just for instance, the rhetoric of humor. So uh, Michigan won the college football championship. Right. Yes, I am from the state of Michigan. Um, and yet one woman who's pro-Palestine, uh, she, her dad went to Ohio State. So after we won the championship, I have on a Michigan hat, and she's giving me the thumbs down sign on the Zoom meeting. And I say, listen, I've been giving love to you in Palestine, and you will not support me in my love of Michigan. And she goes, listen, some lines you just can't cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh Everybody's gosh. laughing. And, and it occurred to me, I, I've spoken about this on the show before, when we went to Capitol Hill last year, mm -hmm. there's no laughing. There's no sharing of elevators is what mm. one member of a party said to me. Wow. So to be in a place where we can get to know each other, have these running common jokes, but we're all brought together by the fact that we view what's happening in Israel right now as a great humanitarian tragedy. 
and yet you have people with very strong opinions. We had an Israeli historian and a Palestinian historian address us, and it was like two different worlds. Hmm. So what can bring us together is this wanting to understand this iconic disagreement, and then what can be learned as we bring it back to United States with our communities. Um, it's, be, it's going to become a documentary. Really? A film crew is going with us um, to, to watch very different people try to understand this tragedy. Uh, and then what can we learn and can we stay together as a community as these real disagreements start to arise? Fabulous. Tim, wow, this is a trip of a lifetime. We're so grateful for you. We'll certainly be praying for you as you go about this. It's dangerous, right? When you told your wife about this, what was her first response? I have an awesome wife. Uh, She said, if you really feel like God wants you to do this, then I think you should do it. And let's make sure your life insurance policy. is <laughs> Right. Which I just laugh. But, you know, that, that's the I, I say this to my students. I taught a class on marriage uh, last semester. And I said, marry a person who is committed to Jesus's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she is. And now, listen, people think we're a little bit crazy. I think we're a little bit crazy. Like when he said, when he said February 1st, my first response was of 2025. <laughs> right, right. And they assure us we're going to be safe and that they'll yank us out. If anything happens, we're staying away from public transportation. Um, but, but we are going to places where the disagreement resides. I mean, in, in Israel, you have Judaism, Christianity, Islam, mm-hmm. the holy sites are right there right. next to each other. Yeah. So. America is heading towards an intractable stalemate. I mean, we're heading there. Some would say, David French, a political commentator, would say we're already there. But but what can we learn from this conflict? And already I'm seeing things as a communication professor of, of not acknowledging your pain. So we had to do these interviews, informal interviews of 10 people. Guys, I did 10 interviews, nine of the interviews, no empathy for Palestinians. Really? None. Almost like this, well, this is what they get. This is what Hamas gets. And, uh, you know, sorry, what do you want Israel to do? And I'm just like, hey, listen, can we just have a moment of lament, Mm -hmm. which is really strong in my tradition, that 25,000 Palestinians have died, to which immediately the response is not empathy. It's, yeah, you can't trust those numbers Mm -hmm. because they're coming from Palestinian sources. And I'm like, okay, cut that number in half. Right. Still. Cut it in half. And 48 percent of that 25,000 are women, children and the elderly. Now, listen, that is to recognize the pain of Palestine is not to ignore the pain of Israel, where 1,200 died. And the hostages that have been released were getting horrible stories of rape, trauma, um, sexual assault. And that is not to be minimized. But as a Christian, everyone is made in the image of God. And he loves Palestinians and Israelis equally. Um, And so I'm, I'm kind of the... I'm kind of the conservative Christian voice. And it's so interesting, uh, John and Kathy, what they think I'm going to say. Mm -hmm, I I bet. bet. Yeah. As the conservative Christian. Who you are. And you have gay, straight, 
um, liberal uh, Christians, the, the Christians that are there, I'd put in the camp of, you know, left of Biola, and everybody thinks religion is a great thing, but it doesn't matter which religion. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what God you talk to. It doesn't. That, that's crazy to think that you had the corner on the truth and other people's. So when you enter into a situation where people think they already have you pegged, yep. Uh, it's interesting for me to think: How can I? Is it even possible to surprise them? Um, and that's kind of what I'm wrestling with. We've gotten to know each other over seven weeks. These are, these are salt of the earth people. They're all activists. Like, for instance, I was paired with a, uh, a queer activist. And, um, you know, so obviously she's looking at me, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, come on. There, there's very little surprises. You go to our website. Our doctrinal statement is right there. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly what we think about traditional marriage and sexuality. But, but here's what she said. She said, you know, I started doing this when I was 11. I, I started uh, organizing and helping trans kids that were suicidal. So I just stopped. I said, wait a minute, how old, how old were you? She goes, 11. I said, listen, can I just commend you as an 11-year-old? And apparently the Mielhoffs, we had the bar for our kids way too low. Right. <laughs> way too low at 11. But you see, to, to affirm her in the fact that she's an 11-year-old, she's, she's thinking about other people and organizing within her community. Hey, I tip my cap to her, and I just say, listen, you better believe God's pleased with your other-centeredness and wanting to do neighbor love, even if at the end of the day I might feel like it's a little misdirected <laughs> when it comes to human sexuality. But my goodness, that's off to you, and I'll go stand side by side with you as we go to study this uh, iconic conflict. Fabulous. Tim, what do you say to uh, getting my head perhaps where the listener is or where some of the listeners are certainly not all of them but thinking okay well this sounds like too wishy-washy to me this sounds like okay you're going to travel with a bunch of you know hindus and libs and whatever and What's activists and you know is that something that a christian is supposed to do so kathy this is so fascinating um so imagine we're walking down the street and we see Hindus, uh, Muslims, gay activists, um, people from Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all sitting there in a restaurant outside having fellowship and eating a meal. And as you walk by, you see Jesus right there in the middle of them. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Jesus, this, this looks bad. Like, what do, you, what do you do? And he's not just having a meal. He is fellowshipping with them. And again, we need to reclaim that from the New Testament. Daryl Bach wrote an amazing book called Contagious Holiness, where he says these table fellowships Jesus had were far more scandalous than we want to make them. And um, they, they ought to make all of us uncomfortable. So, Kathy, I would say Jesus would be part of this group in a heartbeat, and he would say... I'm surprised more Christians aren't part of these groups. And so I think Jesus had no qualms about associating with what the scriptures refer to as notorious sinners. And I think Christians, we, we need to be in these places 
um, to show that Jesus is concerned what's happening to the Palestinians. Yes. He's concerned what's happening to the Israelis. And he's concerned with what's happening in American politics, where we are demonizing the president and we're demonizing what's most likely going to be his competitor, former President Trump. And we better start learning from history because the United States is getting to a tenuous position where what, they, they mentioned this quote to us as a group that 73% of Americans do not trust the political process anymore. Wow. They don't trust it. And so now we're like, okay, now we're going to have a, a dangerous communication climate where we do not trust the very institutions that determine who is the president and can you trust that process? Mm -hmm. And a lot of Americans are saying, no, my guy won, and yet he's not president. Yep. Boy, we need to start learning from these iconic struggles. And so, Kathy, I, I, you know, I get it. I get how people would say, how many times have you shared your faith with this group? And I want to say, you know, I'm setting the preconditions to do that. And that's calm theory, right? That, that's a book of Proverbs, a word spoken in the right circumstances mm -hmm. is compared to fine jewelry. And I think we have to start thinking, how do you create the right circumstances? And I think that's the second great commandment, neighbor love. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Tim, we're, we're excited. We're geeked about your oh, trip. I yep. can't wait this to is hear so about cool. it. So do, do us a how favor. How long will hey, you be gone? Yeah. Uh, 10 days. Okay. And here's, here's what I, you could pray for. One, yes. honestly, wisdom. Wisdom of, of what to say when social issues come up. Yeah. Um, very delicate things. Uh, uh, you know, what do you say to a Muslim who um, wants to say there's no disagreement between Christians and Muslims? And I want to say, okay, yeah, you know, we, we respect the same things, but man, there's differences. So pray for wisdom and discernment, but mostly pray that the Detroit Lions beat the 49ers <laughs> on Sunday and that we go to the Super Bowl. If you have to pick and choose, pick the Lions defense. We're pro-Lions. Yeah, we are yeah. pro-Lions. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, yeah both good. of us. Okay, so Tim, so uh, us, Kath and I. We want to pray for you. Yeah, Our audience wants to pray for you as well. So you're leaving Thursday, February 1st for 10 days. How many people on the trip? 15 people plus a documentary crew. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a very robust agenda. We, we're meeting with families who lost people in the terrorist attacks, uh, Palestinians who have lost people. We're meeting with local shop owners. We're meeting with political leaders. Um, we're going to all the holy sites to show respect. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, guys, it's just going to be every day is going to be I just feel like I need discernment yeah. um, and what to say and when to say it. Yep. I don't always want to be the conservative naysayer. Of course, because nobody correct. nobody wants to be that person. No. Oh, you're the you're you know, the guy. Correct. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. No, right. right. Uh, but so, but, yeah, just pray, pray for wisdom. We know you. So we know mm -hmm. you after all these years, yep. Tim. I mean, we're th it's so thrilling that you are going to be out there representing <laughs> all of evangelical Christianity, <laughs> That's <hilarious>. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. So what you, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be writing about this. You get back to your hotel room. You'll be taking notes, thinking about this. I mean, I can't wait till you get back so we can, you can, you know, tell us the whole story here. This is so cool. And I and I'll be doing video updates as well. I mean, imagine being at the Wailing Wall and talking about the Christian tradition of yep. lament. 
That's incredible. I mean, I think that's powerful. So we can so. follow you, your video updates? Are you going to be out there online? Well, I am going to do updates. I'm meeting with Biola's tech people on Monday to figure out how to do this. Okay. So maybe I'll try to figure out, John and Kathy, how to ship you Good. a video update Great. or two. Let us know, please. Great. We want to be part yeah. of this. That's so cool. All right, Tim, we love you. Praying for you, Tim. Go with God. Godspeed. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John and Kathy. Tim Uhlhoff from Biola University. That's an awesome opportunity. That sure is. I love it. I love it so much. Be right back. It's time once again for this or that. It's self-explanatory. I think it is. I've got a list. I got a list. Here we go. Spending time in the kitchen. Yes. Spending time on your screen. Oh, it's kitchen. Oh. Cockroaches. Oh. Cicadas. Oh, cicadas. Oh, oh it's so easy. Chocolate cake. Angel food cake. Chocolate cake. Oh. Having your oil changed. Having your carpets cleaned. Oh, <laughs> I mean, having your carpets clean. I didn't realize how exhilarating that would be. J.K. Rowling, Jane Austen. Oh, I mean, I love them both, but Jane Austen has my heart. Jane Austen, Jane Seymour. Oh, <laughs> her creepy race thing that she's mm-hmm. advertising with. Uh, definitely Jane Austen. Jane Austen, Jane Fonda. Oh, uh, that's not even close. Still Jane Austen. <laughs> The Oscars? <laughs> yeah. The Grammys? Uh, well, I would have said the Grammys, but the last two or three years, it's gotten to such a like debased level. Mm. I think I have to say the Oscars, which is, <laughs> what is that about? Texting? Talking on your phone? Oh, texting. Oh, what? Yes. Really? Starting a new year exercise routine? Doing your taxes. Oh, the exercise routine is oh. way easier than the taxes. Sid Dithers. The Schmanky Brothers. <laughs> I identify with uh, Sid Dithers, but I'm going Schmanky. Right. Looking forward to baseball season. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, baseball season. Hey, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's my decision. I feel very good about that. Very nice. I'm very excited. I'm also excited about the Super Bowl. Though. Yeah, of course. Me too. Um, I, it's been gray, 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 gray. It's as gray as gray can be for the last week. So therefore, John, I've prepared for you the I Need a Pick-Me-Up edition oh. of This or That. All right. All things related to you needing a pick-me-up. In the bleak midwinter. Uh-huh. Um, SNL or SCTV? Oh, SCTV. Take a brisk walk or sit down to listen to a song you love? Take a brisk walk. Okay. Eat an apple or eat a pear? Eat a pear. Really? Mm. A frozen peppermint patty or a bag of peanut M&M's? Peanut M&M's. Oh. Yeah. Watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou or watch Lars and the Real Girl? Oh. Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Mm, that's, that's so excellent. That's so excellent. Listen to Ella sing A Tisket A Tasket. Yes. Or listen to Frank sing I've Got You Under My Skin. Oh. Uh, I, I, so good. I'm going for Frank because okay. that when the band I kicks know, in, the I mean, holy band. smokes. Oh my gosh. Number six. Watch a recording of the Steelers beating the Cardinals in the 08 Super Bowl. Yeah. Or watch the Pens beat the Preds in the 2017 Cup. No, we need some pen, or some some Steeler love. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, book a trip, or go to a concert. Book a trip. Okay. Times ten. Okay. Go to a cat lounge, or go to a zoo. <laughs> 
Well, the cat lounge is more interactive. It's kind of weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I've been there. You've been there? I never have. Oh, it's really interesting. But I haven't been to the zoo in a long time. I'm going to the zoo. Okay. okay. Uh, pet a bunny or um, pet a puppy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Pittsburgh, isn't it? Oh. Um, pet a puppy. Okay. I mean, the way they Maybe smell. Maybe with the big ears. And those little sharp teeth. I know. Oh, it's so, so, so cute. Uh, watch an episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show, John, because oh. that would be a pick-me-up. Oh, yeah. Or watch an episode of the Andy Griffith Show. Mm. Oh, What's better for a pick-me-up? They're both excellent pick-me-ups. They really are. Uh, I'm doing Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Uh, an episode of Gilligan's Island yep. or an episode of I Dream of Jeannie? Oh. <laughs> well, I like my space. Give me uh, I Dream of Jeannie. Got it. Plus, you love her. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Right. Uh, number 12, listen to an old radio recording mm. uh, of Lynn Cullen oh. or of Uncle Dougie. Oh, Uncle Dougie times 10. Uh, Wayne Van Dyne or Bill Curry? <laughs> oh, sweet old Bill. <laughs> uh, the theme song, John, to Laverne and Shirley or the theme song to the Rockford Files? Oh, the Rockford Files. Na, 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 James Garner. Right? You knew it was coming. But th- we're going to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, the theme song to Cheers mm-hmm. or the theme song to Frasier? Cheers. Everybody knows your name. Everybody does. Uh, number 16, you need to pick me up, John. Yep. Uh, look at new cars mm. or hang out on Zillow and look at new homes. Oh, I love Zillow. I'm going Zillow. Okay. That's so much fun. Okay. Uh, browse on Amazon or browse on Marketplace? Oh, <laughs> That's rough. I like them both. Uh, Marketplace. It's a little weirder. It is weirder. Aroldis Chapman is the start of something big for the Pirates, or the Steelers' new offensive coordinator will fix everything. (laughs) Well, neither really is the answer for both of those. Uh, I'll lean more towards the Steelers. Improvement there. Okay. Imagine a do-over, John. Yeah. You ready? Yep. You're going to go back and do it again. You don't fall on wet grass in your backyard and oh. have to get a shoulder replacement. Okay. Or you beat Jeffrey Chico to opening day of the Swissvale oh. Winkies in 1964. <laughs> yeah. I'm hanging my hat on the <laughs> Winkies and Jeffrey Chico because that would be like the ultimate victory. The shoulder thing. Okay. It's already done. Good news for Pittsburgh. It has been uh, listed as one of the best places to live in the Northeast, according to a new ranking from livability.com. The website ranks Pittsburgh number four on the list of the top 25 best places to live in the Northeast. Clifton, New Jersey takes the top spot. Get out. Followed by Warwick, Rhode Island and Cranston, Rhode Island. Quote, quote, with world-class museums, pro sports teams to cheer for, and a strong economy leading the way in robotics, AI, cybersecurity, and more, it's no wonder why nearly 300,000 people know that Pittsburgh, PA, is a great place to call home. Livability writes, the website that there are 90 neighborhoods with their own unique personalities for residents to choose from, and a robust arts and culture scene to enjoy. Ranking was created by uh, Livability's annual Top 100 Best Places to Live, and was influenced by a survey of more than 1,000 adults across the country who uh, ranked um, characteristics of livability according to the value on rising cost of living. Okay. Now, go back to the number one entrant, or the number yes. one. Clifton, New Jersey. Okay. You've been there? I, 
I don't believe I have, mm-hmm. but do you, is there anything about why they chose Clifton, does not, New Jersey? Does not, no, this is from CBS Pittsburgh, so they just took okay. a local angle. And two towns in Rhode Island, of right. all places. Now, there are beautiful small towns in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, New beautiful, Jersey's a beautiful. very strange place. Yes, it is I mean, a very strange place. it's an industrial place. dump, and it's also yeah, and beautiful it's a, by and the it's sea. And it's a mosquito pit. Uh, it also has some beautiful small towns. But let me tell you, the property taxes really? in that state no are out uh completely outrageous. Really? Completely. I can't believe that they would that anything in New Jersey would be at the top of a livability index. I wonder, do they have a state income tax? Yeah. Really? So you're taxed heavily living oh in New Jersey. Oh my gosh, yes. Right. The difference in living in New Jersey and li- like bumping just across the state line into Pennsylvania is monumental. Wow. Monument. Right, and I say that because I have so much family living in right, New Jersey. Right, you know it firsthand. Yeah. Been there, done that. Right. Okay. That's well, we'll fair. take number four. We'll take number four. Yeah. I think it's fine. I'm, I'm glad for it. Um, also in local news, chefs from two Pittsburgh restaurants are semifinalists for the James Beard Award. Hey, which great. Is a, uh, which is a great recognition for really good food. Oh. Um, so among the 20 semifinalists for the best chef in the mid-Atlantic region, which consists of Pennsylvania, Jersey, Delaware, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, are, are you ready? Hmm. We have Butsaba Tongi from Pooh City's Garden in Lawrenceville, and Kate Lasky and Tomas Skaronski from Apteca in Bloomfield. Apteca. Now, I've Apt- not been to either. Have you? Oh, yeah. Have you? I have. I mean, I've been to Pooh City's Garden many times. Yes. Um, I Being Polish, I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Apteca. Hmm. I mean, it's what it is. All Poles. It's just, and it's a great vegetarian. I mean, everything I've heard about it is so outstanding. I can't believe it. What about the cost? Um, I don't know. Pricey? I mean, a Pusity's Garden is pricey. Mm-hmm. Well, if yeah, I don't know about yeah, I don't know right? about Apteca. It's not Eaton Park. Lasky and Skaronsky were finalists for the award last year. Um, Apteca, of course, was named one of the top fifty restaurants in the U.S. by the New York Times. We remember that. But for Tongi, it's her first time as a semifinalist. Excellent. Um, listen, yeah, so. One of the things I want to do in 2024 is go to Apteca. So all of you listening to the program right now can hold me to that. I have got to get there. It's a long year. It's only January. I've got to get there. I'll go with you. But what you have to do is go to Pusity's Garden. I can't believe you've never been there. Not at all. It is gorgeous. Really? Oh, my gosh. I think it's easily Pittsburgh's most beautiful restaurant. What? Oh, yeah. Where is it located? Lawrenceville. Really? Oh, it's gorgeous. All right. Absolutely spectacular. You know, they closed during COVID, and for maybe a year after, they did a complete—it was beautiful before. Yeah. They did a complete renovation. During COVID. It is elegant. Really? You're going in there. What are you having? Uh, I last time I was there, I had we we ate appetizers first, yeah, right? Sure. So I had a curried appetizer. It mm. was uh, it was curried uh, pumpkin, potato cauliflower sprouts i don't remember what else it was so delicious really that i ordered another curry for dinner <laughs> and the waiter was like i you don't want to do you don't want to do no, two do. curries and i was like i know that's ridiculous but i have to tell you that was so awesome that i have to have more oh that's interesting and i did oh i love it it's it's an absolutely wonderful place hmm. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Very exciting. Them, very right? exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, listen, um, uh, let's move forward. Uh, other local news in a way. Yeah. Groundhog Day is next Friday. Mm. Mm-hmm. That kind of sneaked up on me. Yes, it did. That's good news because, you know, depending on what Phil says, six more weeks or less. Right. Uh, look at today, it's 60 plus degrees. Uh, winter, we can survive this, can't we? 
Well, if it's like this, we can. Yep. Are you kidding me? However, PETA, those party poopers, they are chiming in. Uh, they have sent a letter to the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club president. Oh, this is going to be good. Urging him <laughs> to swap out Pennsylvania's most famous groundhog for a gold coin on next Friday's Groundhog Day. Peter called for Punxsutawney Phil to be allowed to toss, to live the rest of his life at a sanctuary and to be part of, from now on, a coin toss that will determine whether or not we'll have six more weeks of winter. What? Party poopers. Mm Mm-hmm. Groundhogs. I'm sorry. This is this. This is Peter. Uh, quote: Groundhogs can't make heads or tails of the weather forecast, and shouldn't be jostled around by large members of a different species and thrust in front of noisy crowds for a photo op," said Peter President Ingrid Newkirk. Peter is urging the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club to send Phil to a reputable sanctuary that will give him the care he needs and not treat him as a wildlife prop. Okay. Now, come on. I mean. I feel like Punxsutawney Phil has hit the jackpot. They have. Of course, it their ha- economy circles well, around Well, that. No, I don't mean Punxsutawney. I mean Phil oh. has hit the jackpot. Look at how he's, he's in the library. He, he's cared for. Yep. He's given all kinds of attention. He's loved. He's feted. Mm-hmm. He's fed. He lives much longer than the average groundhog. Are you kidding me? And so Pete is going to say that somehow, like, we need to do a coin flip because we're, what, we're, we're, we're using him for our own purposes? Here's the deal. Uh, Punxsutawney has been doing this with Phil since 1887. (laughs) Well, you laughing is just what they're doing in Punxsutawney. You think there's any chance in the world that they're not going to do that? I don't believe that Phil's being abused. Do you? What? (laughs) Of course not. I mean, you know, PETA... I lo- listen. I am. To- I am all for the ethical treatment of animals. Of course, animals. we all. I are. am. Not everybody you, is. Well, you don't want to see animals you, you, suffer. You and I and Lexi are. I mean, you don't want to see animals suffer needlessly. Of course, but look. I mean, look at the meat industry in this country. Yeah, let's focus on that. Right. I mean, I don't think we need to focus on Phil. I mean, <laughs> Phil. That's uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so let me bring up something else, John. While we're talking about local news, Tell this me. is something that came across our desks. I don't know, last week maybe, um, top 10 moments in, in TV history. Uh, one of our uh, own has landed in that top 10, and oh, right. it's Mr. Rogers. Okay, so when you think of the top 10 moments in TV history. Um, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, the the, the assa- assassination of Jack Ruby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably Cronkite, Cronkite announcing, crying. Right, announcing JFK's Trump. death. Yeah. Okay, so Mr. Rogers has made the list? Yeah. For? That moment when he sat in the kiddie pool. Oh. And he washed a police officer's feet. Yep. A black police officer's yep. feet. Mm-hmm. Right? This was like 1973, maybe? Probably. Something like that, Probably. Right? One of the top 10 moments in television history. That is super cool. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> When that happened, my guess is it was, of course, a non-event, right? It was a non-event for those two. Right, because we were living in a different world at that time. And, of course, Mr. Rogers had not reached the zenith of celebrity that he now enjoys Mm -hmm. or did enjoy, of course, before his death. Um, It was a non-event. It was just another day in the neighborhood for Mr. Rogers. And he wasn't trying to make some gigantic point about racial equity. He was just inviting a good friend to join him in the neighborhood. Yep. 
And that's what made it so great is that he wasn't trying to do it. Yeah. He wasn't trying to do it. That was Mr. Rogers. I mean, I just I think that, you know, we're so used to him and we're so used to seeing that moment um, where, you know, a black man and a white man are sitting in the you know, putting their feet together in a baby pool. And we think, oh, yeah, well, we've seen that a 100 times. But I, I don't think we recognize how incredible that was. That moment. How incredible that was. Interesting. So the list we were talking about uh, of the top TV moments was just put together by the uh, Emmys, the Television Academy, in celebration of the 75th anniversary. And so they put together the top 75 most impactful television moments. Hmm. Um, and uh, so they are listed in order. And I'm, of course, not, I'm not going to read you all 75, John, but can I give you a sure. couple so uh, the, highlights? The Emmys put this together. Yeah, the Emmys put this together. Okay, yeah. uh, so number 75 at the end, Bette Midler sings one more for my baby to say farewell to Johnny Carson. <laughs> that was number 75. That was number 75. Okay, all right, good. Um, uh, uh, number 69 uh, is Julia. Mama's Man premiere episode introduced widowed single mother Julia Baker, played by Diane Carroll. Okay. The yeah. first time a widowed single mother oh, okay. was portrayed on TV. A black woman. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um. Friends, 19, uh, this is number 68. It's the last one. The six friends all leave their keys to the apartment on the kitchen counter. Oh, and they walked out. Yeah, and then they That's walked cool. out. That's cool. Uh, number 65, Whitney Houston performing the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right? During yeah. the uh, Gulf War. Yeah. Um, number 63, news coverage of the L.A. riots after mm-hmm. Rodney King. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, Number 61, Justin Timberlake accidentally pulls off part of Janet Jackson's costume. Wardrobe malfunction. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What year do you think that was? Oh, boy. Uh, 99? Yeah, exactly. Hey, exactly. Uh, Very good. Um, Lost came out, the pilot, in Mm. in, uh, 2000. That was number 60. Okay. Uh, The coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh That was in uh, the 1950s. Princess Diana's funeral. Wow. How about that? Um, Is OJ on there? I'm not. There's so many of them. Uh, Sesame Street, Farewell, Mr. Hooper. Big Bird's friends have to remind him that Mr. Hooper has died. They have to explain what death is. Do you remember that? Yeah, sure. Uh, The Twilight Zone episode, Where Mm. is Everybody? Is that... um, The guys alone in the small town? Right. It just says what decade it is. It doesn't say that. What year it was. Yeah. Yeah. the Mary Tyler Moore show, the last show, the group gathers in the newsroom to say goodbye to each other. Mm, and yeah, after sure. everyone exits, Mary smiles before turning off the lights and closing the door. Uh, you remember that? Sure. I watched it live. Uh, yeah. Did you really? Yeah, sure. Uh, 1980s, the debut of Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, part two, Kunta Kinte in Roots. Oh, sure. Played by LeVar Burton, whipped mm-hmm. repeatedly while being asked his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was, I, I remember that as a kid. Sure. That was a really big deal. Yep. Okay. Um, but the reason we started talking about this, of course, was Mr. Rogers. Uh, number seven. Yeah. Out of all of the list of 75, episode 1065, Mr. Rogers invites Officer Clemens to share a waiting pool on a hot day. That's super cool. 
What year was that? That was in the 19... It says 1960s, but I feel like that was 1970. Okay. But anyway. All right. um, The top ones, um, number six, MLK, I Have a Dream. Yep. Uh, Number five, Cronkite announcing the death of JFK. Wow. Number four, uh, Kunta Kinte being held aloft by his father Mm -hmm. in Roots. Number three, uh, the Beatles performance in Ed Sullivan. Number two, live coverage of the terrorist attacks of 9-11. And number one, the Apollo 11. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy M. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along for the 5 o'clock hour on a Friday afternoon. What do I'm, you think? I'm going out for dinner. Are you? Mm-hmm. I just want to say it again. Very nice. Yeah. I don't go out for dinner very much. Because, you know, since we redid my kitchen, I'm very happy to cook. Right. But every once in a while. Where are you going? I'll tell you later. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right. Well, um, it is a Friday afternoon. It is a Friday afternoon. And? And is it too early or too late for me to tell you? Right on time. Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. The weekend is here. Okay. Well, listen, uh, AI, right? I mean... <laughs> listen, it's like the looming thing. We want the good parts of it. The bad parts of it are going to take over humanity. This is going to be... I seriously think that. I. This is not going to be good for us. And of course, we see these little leaks here and there. The latest AI debacle involves, of all things and of all people, George Carlin. Have you heard the story? George Carlin has passed away. Many, many years ago. The estate of George Carlin, the comedy legend, has filed a lawsuit against the makers of an hour-long video featuring um, a version of him using AI, accusing them of stealing a great American artist's work, a voice sounding remarkably like the comedian who died of a heart failure in 2008, appears on a, quote, comedy special titled George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, which was uploaded to YouTube earlier this month by Dudzy Channel. Carlin's estate has filed a lawsuit in California federal court alleging copyright infringement and a violation of the late comedian's right to publicity. There is no visual representation of Carlin. The video instead shows a series of AI-generated images, but the voice touches on familiar themes such as religion and politics, also discussing the comedian's own death. The legal action, this is from NBC News, the legal action illustrates how AI in creative works is one of the biggest threats in entertainment and comes after a month-long writer's strike in Hollywood last year. Carlin, quote, one of the most legendary stand-up comedians in history, dedicated his life to perfecting his craft only for a couple of podcasters and mysterious AI to slap together a special called George Carlin, I'm Glad I Did, without permission, and posted to the YouTube, the Carlin estate said, is a debacle. The lawsuit said defendants, AI general George Carlin special is not a creative work. It is a piece of computer-generated clickbait, which detracts from the value of Carlin's comedic work and harms his reputation. It is a casual theft of an American artist's work, the statement says. My gosh, I completely agree with Heck that. Yeah, man. I mean, that's creepy. 
Is it ever? It is so creepy. Well, how do you think they, why do you think they would get away with something like this? Well, I don't know. All I can think of is that there's too much content out there to be policed. George Carlin's daughter, Kelly Carlin, said in a statement, I understand and share the desire for more George Carlin. I, too, want more time with my father. But it is ridiculous to proclaim he has been resurrected with AI. The George Carlin in that video is not the human who identifies, who defined the generation and raised me. It is a poorly executed facsimile. The estate's attorney said in a statement that AI risks becoming a tool that allows bad faith actors to replace creative expression. Boy, boy, oh, boy. That's just the tip of the iceberg. More is coming. You know that. So you see my concern about policing is that there's going to when as AI becomes more and more accessible, it's going to be harder and harder for people to fight back against it. Yeah. And so if someone takes our voices and turns it into a John and Kathy thing, right? (laughs) I mean, you know. Yeah. Listen, but seriously. Anybody who uses their voice for a living is worried about this sure, because you think there somebody is going to manufacture a voice and have me say something that I would never say. Well, the voiceover artist essentially will be dead. Uh, but but not only that, it's you know they could anybody could take anything that would be anathema to the person yep. and make it sound like the person is saying it. Sure. So here's the weird thing. Imagine the world 50 or whatever, how many years forward when George Carlin's daughter is no longer here or the estate is, I mean, everything's fair game. Yeah. So what we're going to be able to listen to George Washington. Well, talk. apparently that's the truth, right? right? I mean, you know, if George Washington, just, there were recordings, this, <sighs> it's a brave new world. Emphasis on brave, to, oh, because to be alive in this situation. God. That's just, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming. It really, I don't even know how to approach that, John. All right. But fortunately, we have things that are closer to our, uh, our heart to our heart, and things that are at our disposal in the five o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to be doing the weekend review in just a little bit. What was everyone talking about this week? What are you reading? What did you eat? What would you change if you could? What are we listening to? That comes up at 535. Also, uh, things to do in Pittsburgh this weekend. And we'll go back and talk about um, the 75 moments in TV that changed the world. Drew Dick is back with us. Drew's been a regular guest of ours over the many years we've done the show. He is the author of Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. But here today to talk to us about our feet. Drew, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Excited about this. Thank you. Okay, so God's will, man, that's just, that's a tough thing, right? I mean, how do we know? And then what if somebody says, and we've heard this before, right? Right. Uh, I believe God's will for you is X. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a tough topic. I'm happy to say I've completely figured it out, though. Oh, God. I can tell you what God, yeah. Good job, Drew. Incredible. Okay, that's not true, but um, yeah, you're right, and it's it's funny too because if uh, you know I I grew up in the church, I remember hearing stories of people that say to someone else, say, "Hey, God told me that you're supposed to marry me, or that right. you're supposed to do X," and sometimes they're not dead on, right? Uh, so it is a tricky topic. Furthermore, and this is something that I've been shocked to discover. God's will isn't just a topic for 20-year-olds, right? I used to think like, okay, you, you, you seek God's will for, you know, your career, uh, if you're going to get married or to whom, uh, those kind of questions. And then you get it solved and the rest of your life is just easy. Here I am in my mid-40s 
still trying to figure out God's will for my life. So I'll just say that one thing that has been really uh, clarifying for me is to understand that there are two ways to talk about God's will. There's there's uh, what theologians call your common calling. That is all the things that all Christians are called to. So we're all called to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's not something where you go, hmm, I don't know if God's calling me to do that. Yes, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to do that. Then there's the particular calling on your life, which is, okay, where should I live? Who should I marry? What job should I do? Those kind of questions. And those are the ones we get a little weird about. We kind of look for signs in the sky or flip open our Bible to random passages, hoping that it speaks to it. But my finding has been this, and I think it's really um, a relief. That is, if you were living out that common calling, if you're loving God and loving others, the particular calling has a way of becoming clear. Mm, interesting. Okay. Right. Okay. So then you, you don't want to oversimplify this, but, but if we are following God in our life, the specifics will follow in, as they should. Yes. I believe that, you know, and I'm not saying that God can't miraculously guide someone or they might hear a voice or see a sign. And, sure. and, you know, we certainly see those stories in scripture, but my experience has been a little more prosaic. That is, I find that as I'm being faithful to God, as I just take that next small step that's in front of me, uh, that, that he guides often through that. I think it can be paralyzing to think of like, okay, what if I miss the boat? What if I, if I take the wrong step? But I think that's counterproductive because if you're just being obedient and you're living an ordinary faithful Christian life, God will guide you. I believe that. Mm. Okay, so talk about your wife, your father-in-law, and your parents and the kind of <laughs> transitions they've made. Yeah, that, that's part of what I was alluding to earlier, that I was surprised to find that God's will is a topic for all of us at every life stage. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, my wife, you know, we have three kids, and now they're all in school, uh, but she's kind of have this a little bit of a transition anxiety where she goes, okay, what do I do now? I've been a mom for 12 years uh, at home, not working, but she feels the call to use her creative gifts beyond our house. And so she's going, what is that going to look like for my father-in-law who just retired? And he's an, he was an executive uh, for what, 30, 40 years. And now he's going, what now God, he's got a lot of energy and time and he wants to know what he's supposed to do in this next phase of life. So I think it's a question that never really goes away um, that you, I wish I had it all figured out. You know, I was talking to some kids and I was teasing them. I asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up and they gave me answers. And then I said, what should I be when I grow up? And they looked at me like I was nuts because they go, man, who's going to tell this poor old guy that he's, he's already whatever he's, <laughs> he was going to become. It's over. <laughs> it's over, dude. It's too late for you. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Drew, talk about um, you going up to one of your kids and saying my favorite job is being your dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I thought I was being nice. I think it was Father's Day, and so I just wanted to tell him that. And my son looked at me and said, well, of course it's your favorite job. Your other job is just staring at a computer. Uh, so that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, kids tell the truth more often than uh, not. They do. Yes, yes. Very brutal, I, brutal honesty. Drew, I remember when my kids were little and um, my oldest daughter came home from preschool and said, she was uh, four at the time, and she said, Mommy, I've decided I want to be a, a teacher. And I said, oh, that's terrific. Why do you want to be a teacher? And she said, well, because daddy's a teacher. And I said, well, that's great. And so then I, I thought for a minute and I said, well, what does mommy do? And she said, well, you vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Not much of a career. No, that was go. tough. I will be honest. Yeah. That as much as I like vacuuming, that Thank was you. tough. Okay. So, uh, but, but you, your wife, 
your father-in-law, uh, you mentioned your parents in here, you know, your, your, your mom and dad had a different idea of what the, their retirement years would look like. Um, your, but all of us, all of us are trying to figure out what is God's will for us. Right. And, um, and yeah. you're saying that maybe it's not a big thing. It's a small thing. That's right. And, and I talk to a lot of people that kind of feel like God's put them on the shelf. You know, I've been there myself where the plans that you had kind of went sideways. Your life took a detour for some reason or another. And it's not that like, oh, you wanted to be some big deal, but you just wanted to make an impact. You wanted to influence people. Um, and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. And, you know, one thing I, I look at in my book is the story of Moses. And it's a great, uh, great illustration of this because here's this guy who's going to be this great liberator of his people. He winds up killing an Egyptian, and then he has to flee to the wilderness for 40 years. Talk about a detour, right? And um, and I just love that because when I look at that passage, though, I think that God was doing something with Moses in that season anyway, right? He was humbling him. Uh, he was learning how to lead sheep before he could lead people. Uh, and then I, what I love about it is, is he gets his calling ultimately to be the leader of his people, but it comes as he's being faithful in what he was doing, and that was leading sheep. He's just kind of minding his own business, uh, tending sheep, and then all of a sudden God shows up and gives him the next call in his life. So that's something that I encourage people to do. Like, even if you're in a hard or discouraging season and you feel like you're, like, in obscurity and doing mundane things, and don't give up on being faithful. Keep doing the next thing in front of you because God Mm -hmm. may be using that in ways that you don't even understand right now Mm -hmm. for the next phase of your life. He might be preparing you. Um, So be faithful. Do the next thing in front of you. Yes. And and what I take here is I don't want to use God as though, you know, he's some sort of answer machine, right? You know, uh, it's not, it's, it's sort of cheapens God in some way to think that. And I'm not trying to say, you know, you're wrong to, to ask God for guidance in your life. But I, you know, I, God tells us, you know, the will is to, to love the Lord your God with all your strength and your soul and your life and to love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's more than enough to do. And God will show us the way. That's right. And here's the, here's the truth. And you realize this as you get a little older and you look back. Um, it's often the things that didn't happen that you prayed for, or that you hoped for, that were the biggest blessings. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, you didn't realize it, right? Like, what's the thing? Thanking God for, for unanswered prayers, right? So the truth is, God knows better than us anyway. And even if he answers your prayers or guides you in the direction you wanted to go, uh, it's often later than you thought it would be or in a different sort of way. And so we really need to be focused on our obedience rather than trying to figure out the puzzle. I think that's that that's um, something that's helped me. And and growing up in the church, I often got the opposite message. It was like the spooky undertaking where you had to like read the tea leaves to figure out what God wanted you to do with your life. Right. But I honestly think that's a bit of a head trip sometimes that we place on people because hey, it's hard enough just to live the Christian life, to love God, to love others, to be obedient, follow Jesus as best you can, and let God take care of the details. Ultimately, you have to abandon the outcome to God of your life. Um, You're not in control anyway. You can be faithful, though. Drew Dick is with us. He's the author of Your Future Self. Well, thank you. Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. Also, Yawning at Tigers. Uh, Drew, uh, you and I were going back and forth, and of course, we we talked about this this subject, but you made a little sidebar, and you were uh, talking about how many books is enough. Uh, now <laughs> to, you, to write or own? To own. And, and, and Drew, there you are. Yes. Your life is an acquisitions editor from Moody Publishing. I would imagine you've got a book or two in your library. 
I've got, I'm looking at a whole, uh, well, four bookshelves right now that are absolutely stuffed to the gills, and I've got some books piling up on the floor. And, you know, I discussed the problem with Grace, my wife, and she said, we need to get rid of some books. And I said, well, that's one way of looking at it. The <laughs> other way is to say, we need more bookshelves. It's right. Okay? Yes. Yeah. And then she had the, the audacity to say, well, instead of maybe buying more books, why don't you read the ones you have yeah. before purchasing more online? And I said, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to them eventually, but I need to keep the flow of books coming in. So as you can see, at the point of tension in our marriage. Clearly, I'm in the right. More books are better. Right. Um, that's my position. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I think you're right. I, I've had this exact same argument with my husband mm-hmm. over uh, many, many years. Uh, he has really, really been over, I'd say, the last uh, 20 years pushing the Kindle or the Kobo oh, really? or the reader type of thing. And it's very, you know, cause he likes to read, but he doesn't read a lot. And I read a lot, and I I can't remember stuff that I read on a Kindle. No, I have no totally different. I have experience. no recollection of it, and plus, it doesn't smell like anything. But you never know when you and, might need it, right? Exactly. So, so anyway, so I can't do that. But yeah. we have we have hundreds. I have hundreds of books, and it's. I love it. it. I just and I go in there. I go into you know my my library, and it's like visiting old friends. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Right. It's like old, visiting old friends. Old friends. Smell good. Yeah, yeah, I I can't. <laughs> I can eliminate, but I can't. I can't pare down, really. I mean, seriously. You're I, no, throw I should say I away? can pare down. I can't eliminate. That's right. what I'm saying. Or get them you know, to a book Amen. sale or something like that. Or, you know, no, I need these things. Yeah, I need these things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am with you. And furthermore, in, in my little argument with Grace, I dug up like studies that show that the more books you have in your house, the more successful your kids will be. Really? And so I showed that. Yeah, I showed that to Grace. I said, don't you love the kids? What's going on here? We need more more and more books. <laughs> Excellent. So then we, maybe what we've discovered, the three of us, is that it's God's will to keep our books. I think, yeah, you can't always know God's will, but on this topic, I think. I think it's, it's clear. Very nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just to play devil's advocate for one second, yeah. C.S. Lewis once said, that there will be book. You'll have books in heaven, but your library there will consist only of the books you gave away on earth. So, <laughs> really, there, I haven't heard another. that. <laughs> I might be butchering the exact quote, but that was the gist of it. Oh, oh, I, I do keep a list of all the books that I've given to people that they never gave back. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like the yeah, ones yeah. I've loaned out. Right, right. I mean, that's just right. I, that's mm-hmm. just kind of spiteful on yeah, my part. Yeah, yeah. I think is what it is by now. Well, people should just give the books back. I think they should give them. Yeah. You, you're one of them. Oh, really? I have a book or two. <laughs> Drew Dick has been with us, acquisitions editor at Moody Publishing. But check out his books called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. Also, Yawning at Tigers, You Can't Tame God, So Stop Trying. Thank you, Drew. Hey, thank you. Always fun. the Emmy Awards 75th anniversary, uh, the Television Academy members came up with the top 75 most impactful TV moments. Mm -hmm. And we started talking about that in the last hour of our program because Mr. Rogers ended up near the top of the list on one of his episodes. Now, here's the thing. These are the most, these aren't the best, but these are the most, what they think were the most impactful I mean, anytime someone makes a list, you can can argue argue with it. Of course. And so... 
There are some of those I kind of go, nah, not really. Okay. But, I mean, after the fact, Mr. Rogers, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. But there are others that are more yeah, historic right, in the moment right. so, that they so, find us. So the Mr. Rogers element uh, that they picked was the one, it's episode 1065, where Fred Rogers invites Officer Clemens, Francois, to share a waiting pool on a hot day. So it was a white man mm-hmm. and a black man with their feet together in the same water. Super cool. Which today seems like... What's the big deal? Duh. But at that point, it was uh, an incredible moment. And so that landed in the top 10 of the top TV moments in history. That's cool. That's Mr. Rogers. Yeah. So there are a whole bunch of other ones that are really interesting. Um, So... uh, Maybe I'll highlight a couple, John. Yeah, sure. Love you to. have the list too. Uh, um, I have a list. Okay, not the list. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, so nineteen. This is number forty-three. Maud's dilemma. B. Arthur and Bill Macy, that's Maud and Walter, admit that neither one of them particularly wants a child and that abortion is the right choice at that whoa, stage whoa, in their whoa, lives. Whoa, whoa. Do I you don't remember, remember that? this at all? No, I don't remember that either. No. I mean, so this was early 70s, yeah, right? This was in the 70s. Wow. Yep. Um, here's number 41. After an introduction by Ted Turner, David Walker and Lois Hart anchor CNN's first newscast. Mm, 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 that had to be during close to the Gulf War, right? Yeah. I uh, mean, Ted, Tur- Ted Turner's still alive in extremely poor health. Okay. But um, it's hard to uh, overestimate uh, the impact of 24-7 cable news. Oh, We've never gone back. No, of course not. We've never gone back. Uh, number 38 is the O.J. Simpson trial oh verdict. Oh, my gosh. I and remember that very clearly. How about, though, the white Bronco? Yeah. That's not on the list. It isn't? No. But I think it should be. I mean, I oh, remember. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, I remember that more than the verdict, but I, I don't think that's true. No, I, actually remember I remember the verdict. verdict. I remember where I was. So do I. When where were was, you? I was teaching uh, at the Manchester Craftsman's Guild. Okay. Um, I remember it very, very clearly that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it. I was working at UPMC or at, mm-hmm. at Pitt, um, and in a UPMC building when it, w- it was read, and I heard it on the radio. Yep, shocking, and at the same time divisive. Oh yep. my gosh! Right, Oakland exploded. Did it? Oakland exploded. Interesting. Um, Number 36, Made in America, the Sopranos meet at a diner and sit down together. The bell of the diner door rings and James Gandolfini looks up and the screen cuts to black. I have no connection to that Me at neither. all. Me neither. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock, number 35. Saturday Conjunction, Conjunction Junction. Sure. Came out. Yeah. Um, how about uh, number 34, the release of video recorded by George Holliday of four cops beating Rodney King? Oh, sure. I remember that very clearly. I mean, and that's when L.A. exploded. Um, Number 33, Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that live. Did you see it live? No, remember, you were texting me. I was behind. I was watching it. And you said, you said, are you watching? And I said, yeah, but I'm behind. And you were like exclamation points, like 30 of them. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I don't Uh, think you'll ever recover from that. Number 32, Meet the Bunkers premiere episode where Rob Reiner, Sally Struthers plan a surprise party to celebrate Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton's 22nd anniversary. Cataclysmic show. What, mean, what an a amazing moment in time. show. It surely was. Um, number 31 is the pilot of Breaking Bad. Huh. Now, see, I, I was not Breaking Bad until well after the fact. Yeah. Um, I love Lucy. Lucy goes to the hospital to give birth to little Ricky. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Right? Um, the debut of 60 Minutes hmm. in the 60s. Wow. That was in the 60s. Can you believe that? All those original people Hosted, long since gone. Okay, Mike Wallace. Yeah. 
uh, Harry Reasoner, mm-hmm. and they were covering the Nixon and Humphrey presidential debates. Interesting. That's how 60 Minutes started. Um, I still like to watch 60 Minutes. Yeah, I do, too. If it's on Sunday night, I, I do, go, too. Oh, yeah. I always record it. Yeah. Um, the Soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> no soup for you. Is number 27. Mm-hmm. 26 is the last Newhart series finale. Oh, sure. Where Bob wakes <laughs> Emily up to tell her about the dream he had. <laughs> that was so excellent. That was so, so, so excellent. excellent. Um, and... Well, it's just so Number much. 23. Live coverage of Congress counting electoral votes, and they captured the January 6th insurrection. Nice. It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? Well, ad nauseum, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Trump, Nikki Haley. Yep. Right? I yep. Think That's about what I that. thought, too. Yep. And at least for me locally, um, I've been thinking about it. I don't know if everybody else has, but uh, armed guards at Catholic schools, mm, okay. which is you know a whole other arena we're walking into. But of course, public schools have been doing this forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, on a happier note, uh, Pitt men's basketball uh, beat Duke at Duke for the first time in 45 years. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty big story. Look, they're going for three wins in a row. Yeah, that, deser- that deserves some talking That's about. Yeah. What was a conversation that made you think? Uh, Tuesday, we spoke with Carmen Joy Imes about Old Testament passages. That are weird. Yeah, that were vexing. And she was really revealing, wasn't she? Yes. That was a very helpful segment. Yes. Because uh, I think, like, I don't think we're... I think I I struggle with a lot of these Old Testament stories. So do I. I go, what is... I don't understand. I don't even get this. No. So she's an Old Testament scholar. It's very, very helpful for someone to... Look, she read to us from the Greek translation. Mm -hmm. I mean... And and here's the thing to keep in mind. Not saying it's weird doesn't help. No. Like, just be honest about it and say, what right. is happening? It doesn't mean that you're being disrespectful. No, mean or you're, you're less you, of a believer. You don't like God. <laughs> right. It just means that you are honestly saying, I have no idea what's happening I here. I agree, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, the conversation I picked, though, John, is the one we had yesterday mm. with Bob Smetana. Um, he's from the Religion News Service, and we talked about the Southern Baptist Convention or the Southern Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have very many of those in Pittsburgh, but it's the largest Protestant denomination in all of America. By far. There are, more, there are 14 million Southern Baptist, which is more than the population of several states. That's how many people are Southern Baptist. And the sex abuse scandal scandals, I'm sorry to say it's plural, just continue to plague the SBC. And they just can't figure out how to handle it. Or they refuse to. Or they refuse to. Right. They just don't want to. It's just a it's a sad chapter. But I just loved Bob's approach as a reporter to it. And um, I I valued our conversation. I mean, well, what he said, focus on the, you know, what they're saying, focus on the theology and not the morality. What are you kidding me? That's <laughs> I mean, like the worst idea I ever heard. That was heard. the quote of the week for me. I was like, really? Okay. And like the theology doesn't right. implicate their morality. <laughs> a, a billion times. Good grief. Anyway, if you missed either one of those or anything else, check out the podcast. What are you reading? Okay, so I, I'm still, and I, this, I think this, I've reached a, a little conclusion here. That last week I talked about my great enjoyment of reading the Herman Melville short stories. Oh, yeah. 
So I am still within those. Those short stories. Yes. Yeah. And deriving, I, I just love it. Really, it's been, and, and Herman Melville was alive more than 150 years ago, but these stories still resonate. I mean, I, I still find great depth in these stories. So I come upon something. <laughs> because we read for a living, essentially, it's hard for me oftentimes to go through things and go, I'm going to pick up this 300-page book for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. The short story, six pages, eight pages, 10 pages, whatever. Very concise, but great depth and enjoyment within those. So I'm going to continue on this vein for a yeah, while. Yeah, I think it's a great that's idea. All, that's all I'm saying. Short stories are the inc- art form. It's an incredible form. Yeah, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so that's where I, I am. I, I, well, I'm doing the opposite. I know you are. <laughs> and I, you're so still there in I'm, Paris. I'm the story of Paris yeah. by Edward Rutherford, and uh, it's slow going. Because obviously we reread a lot for this, but I'm doing it with a friend, yep. and she and I are meeting tonight to, to discuss it. <laughs> discuss it. So okay, uh, I, I think I'm only a third of the way through. All right. What did you eat? Oh, uh, my wife made a, a, a winter favorite, which is uh, stuffed peppers. That is, and here's the thing: I love stuffed oh, peppers, my, man. Oh, mm. me too. And my wife never makes the same thing the same way twice. Mm. Never. I mean, you know, she, uh, she's always full of surprises. And this one, this is a great creation. I, I have no, I, I can't tell you. If she asked me to identify what was in there, I don't know. I can just say this. Tastes fabulous. <laughs> so that's where we are in our household. Yeah. Well, I'm still trying to get over my uh, the sugar binge and everything that happened over Christmas. Are you done with sugar? Is that what you're saying? I'm not. I, I'm not eating dessert. <sighs> That's all I'm doing. That's all I can say. But I made a really good thing this week that sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. I made kale bowls (laughs) with chicken meatballs. Doesn't that sound awful? Well, kale in anything. Doesn't that sound awful? All I can tell you is I, I, one of the things that I is bad about me is I don't like leftovers. Like if I don't, if I eat something, I really enjoy it. I don't want to eat it the next night. Really, I've had the kale bowls with chicken meatballs three nights in a row. Yes, because it no kidding, they are really delicious. Wait, is it kale like in its raw form? Uh huh. It's kale in its raw form, Mm. but the mixture it has sweet roasted sweet potatoes on it. It has chicken meatballs and it has roasted garbanzo beans. And I gotta tell you, it's really delicious. Okay. What did you watch? Went to the movies last night. Oh. Mm-hmm. And we saw The Iron Claw. Okay. It Starring is... one of my favorite current actors, Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. How was it? Fabulous. Was it? I really loved it. I mean. So it's about boxing or wrestling or something? It's about wrestling. It's okay. a true story, of the which I knew nothing of, of the inseparable Von Erich brothers. Who make history in the intensely competitive world of 1980s wrestling. These brothers and their hardcore overbearing father and his drive to possess the world championship belt and the heartbreak and the tragedy that surrounds this. What a great film. Really? I loved it. Yeah. The Von Erich brothers. And how was the acting? Oh, off the charts. Um, Zach Efron. Listen. I don't know Zac Efron from The Man in the Moon. I, I just don't. You, d- you never watched High School Musical? No, I did not. <laughs> I don't. hard to believe, Lex, isn't it? So I'm reading about it afterwards, and I'm thinking, this. and there's a photograph of him, like, you know, as the High School Musical yeah. kid. He looks like 
the Incredible Hulk in this film. Does he really? Oh, my gosh. I mean, all these guys, they're, they're wrestlers from that era. Right. It's a wild story. I would recommend it. It's in theaters now. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Um, I've been watching Nate Bargatze on Amazon. <laughs> I think he's so hilarious. If you like stand-up, um, he is hilarious. His his delivery is great. Um, and the reason I bring him up is because I watched uh, his new episode on Amazon on Wednesday night. And we liked it so much, we watched it again last night. Leftovers, in the fridge and on TV. I mean, what is happening to me? I don't even know myself. No, he's a believer. He is a believer. He is a believer. So it's clean comedy? Yep, it's clean comedy, and it is very funny. What was the best news you heard this week? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. And, And I think probably a lot of parents would feel this way. But the best news this week, Kath, your kids, my kids... I had some kids in my house this week from Zero Res, mm-hmm. and I think, you know what? Yep, we're not There's too bad Lex. Off. The kids are all right. Yep. And because the kids are all right, despite what we hear, we're going to be okay. I mean, really, we like to beat up on this generation. And say the world's going to hell in a handbag. No, hand no. Yep. I have a lot of hope in this. Really. The kids are all right. Say the same thing. That's good news. What have you been listening to? Oh, this. This goes on in my soundtrack driving a lot of time. I love this. Are you hurting, broken, thin? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? I think it's fair to say that that song is one of the anthems of the modern church, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. It's a beautiful song. I, I just I've love sung it. that a hundred times, and I still love it. Yeah. I mean, it really resonates. It really right? does. I love that song. Elevation. Yeah. So I've been listening to something different, John. Of course you have, right? That's Stefan Remble, the guitar player. Um, And that's Sarah King singing. And 
Isn't that tremendous? That is fun. You have to check out this album. It's called Django New Orleans. Huh. Stefan Remble. I mean, it's great. Play us more of it, Lex. Cass said at the top of the hour, uh, truly, your weekend has begun. And so here we are, just a few minutes before we exit for the weekend. And, of course, there's always things to do. And, Kath, uh, you're engaged in some, Listen, some extravagant fun. I'm going to see Shen Yun. What? Yeah, you know, it's, the, it's China before communism. I see the billboards. Uh, yeah, I've seen the bu- billboards for years, yeah. but I've never gone to see it. So this is my year. So I'm going with, some, with my husband and some friends. I'll report back. Where is it? It's at the Benidorm. Mm-hmm. Now, when I see the billboards, it looks to me like people are just waving, you know, like like garlands of fabric. That's kind of what I expect them well, to be. Well, first of all, if they do wave garlands of fabric, that would be awesome because that'd be like rhythm, rhythm gymnastics. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. Or rhythmic gymnastics. Yes. I love right. that. But... Uh, th- I mean, there's gotta, it's got to be big, fanfare, right. huge, right? Music. Numbers. Right. Dancing. And no idea what to expect no or what you're idea. walking into. No idea. All right. That's very cool. All right. This weekend. Uh, is it just this weekend? I think it is. Okay. All right. All right. So other things that are going on this weekend, Phipps Conservatory and Botanical Gardens present Orchid, uh, Orchid and Tropical Bonsai Show. You should see this. Yeah. When they do an orchid show at Phipps, I it's, love orchids. seriously, it's going to be tremendous. Really? You want right. to go with me? I'm going to go yeah. next week. Oh, I'd love to go. Great. Okay, okay, thanks for inviting me. Okay, so Orchid and topic, Tropical Bonsai Show, Into the Mist, features those plants, along with a decorative waterfall, an eight-foot wall shrouded in mist. Oh, John will love it. And more <laughs> continues through March 3rd. Uh, two artists with roots in the Canadian Maritime Provinces are in Pittsburgh this weekend with Chad and Baroque for Through the Wood. Oh, that's that trio, right? Yes. Yeah. Laddie, Music of Baroque. Baroque Scotland and Arcadia Mm -hmm. features Chris Norman on wooden flutes and pipes and soprano Pasquale Badone. They team with the three-member Chatham Ensemble for a program ranging from Baroque-era Scotland to French-Canadian folk tunes. I bet that would be really cool. I think so, too. Where's that? Uh, That is at uh, Carnegie Music Hall in Homestead. Yeah. And the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary on Sunday. That's interesting. Okay. So Saturday, Friday and Saturday at the Carnegie Free Library in Carnegie. Uh, and um, so they're sort of jumping around all over the uh, tri-state area here. Okay. Interesting. Um, Fame director Bartlett Scher's acclaimed Lincoln Center theater production of My Fair Lady is on the road and this week is stopping at the Benedum Center, the classic Learner and really? Love musical about Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins. Features songs like I Could Have Danced All Night oh, and I On love. the Street Where You Live, courtesy of PNC Broadway in Pittsburgh. Eight performances, Tuesday, January the 30th through Sunday the 4th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you love My Fair Lady? Oh, yeah. I uh, love it's a classic. My Fair Lady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to see that, wouldn't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
The Broadway production. You know, the last time I saw it was at the public. Oh, how long ago was that? Six or seven Mm -hmm. years. How was the show? Oh, it was tremendous. Oh, fabulous. Oh, it was tremendous. Oh, good. Excellent. Very good. Oh, I loved it. All right. Uh, What else is happening here? Oh, uh, yeah, this is interesting. Um, Fifty years ago, a widowed sculptor and designer, Barbara Ledzowski, moved to Pittsburgh, bought a former mattress factory on the north side, and began turning it into an arts center. Have you ever been to the mattress factory? It's wild. Yeah. I mean, it is something out of 1968. Mm -hmm. It is this trippy place. Now, Barbara's been gone for a few years, but the mattress factory continues to produce work. Um, What would have been her 94th birthday this Friday, tonight, and then tomorrow, the museum is offering free admission all day long. So, I mean... It's a really cool night out. Mm-hmm. You might not I bet. know. No. I like to do it. It's it, it was immersive before immersive became a thing. I would say that. So that's just a small peek of what's happening in and around the city this weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to go back to my fair lady for a minute. Yeah. I didn't know that it was coming. Yeah. So what do you think? Have you seen the? Have you seen it on the stage? And have you seen the movie? I've seen it on the stage, and of course, yeah, I've seen the movie too. Okay. And what are your thoughts? Uh, well, there's nothing like the stage. I would prefer, but the movie's fabulous, right? Um, Audrey Hepburn. Yep. Right? Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison. Now, One of a kind. Now, Julie Andrews yes. got the Tony mm-hmm. for playing Eliza Doolittle on yeah. stage and then did not get it for, did not get the role in the movie version. Which was crazy. She was very, very upset by that. Who wouldn't be? And then it was discovered that Audrey Hepburn didn't sing. Yeah. And then that was a whole other. What the heck? What, what were they thinking? I wonder. Well, Audrey Hepburn is so. She was a mega star, and she was so she was wonderful in the film. And Julie Andrews at the time was an up and comer. Was she young at yes. the time? Yes. Okay. Right. She wasn't the Julie Andrews who ascended to stardom. Right. But well, Audrey Hepburn. Oh my gosh. Lovely, lovely. How lovely. about the polo scene? Oh my gosh. Isn't that terrific? So who took over the role of singing? I mean, did they dub someone yeah. else's boy? They did. Yeah. Don't tell me it was Julie Andrews. No, no. I don't think she would have been uh, willing to do that. Right. But yeah, so somebody else sang. Interesting. They wouldn't do that today, right? I don't think so. The dubbing of someone's voice over I don't there think would so. be considered disingenuous. Yeah. Right? So our audience, I wonder if audiences were told ahead of time or this was something like a, like a hidden secret. I think it was a hidden secret. Uh-huh. And not till years later. Uh-huh. I think. And now, if you watched the credits, you would have been able to figure it uh, out. Yes. But I have a feeling that people didn't know. Well, it's still a classic. Julie Andrews now. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.